This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast, where Kristen Urgel, a longtime TV sports reporter and college football coach's wife, goes one-on-one with her fellow coaches' wives. We will uncover the stories of the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, My hope is that this is an encouragement to fellow coaches' wives around the country and, you know, for fans to hear some stories behind the families that just work so hard to impact the teams that you love. I'm completely honored to have Michelle Shearer on the show today. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. I am honored to be part of this. Wonderful. um, I hope I can share with my many, many years of experience with other coaches' wives. And that's what I'm excited about. And I'm, you know, the resume is absolutely astounding. Um, you know, name an NFL, FBS, Power 5 team, and Michelle's probably been a part of it. Her husband, Rip Shearer, uh, has been quite, um, has had quite the impressive career. Coach Shearer um, is now with the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, start right there. Talk about the NFL life. Um, a lot of us may never experience that. How is it different from college? Um, so in some ways, now Rip, before he went to the NFL, he was a college coach for 30 years. So, and we love college football. And so it was an adjustment going to the NFL. And yet you have the rah-rah of the college football, the college atmosphere, but yet the NFL was very refreshing in its own way. They're still, in some ways, a lot of them are still, as you you would say, kids. Right. I still think of people in their 30s are still kids, and they like still want to learn. Yes. Yes. And, and so many people hear the negative, you know, it's always the 5% who cause all the issues that you hear about, but the majority of them are truly good people, and a lot of them are still kids. I mean, they're grown-up kids, but, but they're um. So it's um, it was a it's we really enjoy it, and you still have the same camaraderie in the staff, and it's a little different, and and yet as years have gone by, it's getting more similar to college coaching as the more money. Unfortunately, the more money's involved, it's changed a lot of it, but. In terms of the coaches and their families, that hasn't changed. It's the extraneous in the business part of it, I guess. So, but the one thing now with the NFL, as you've all, everyone's experienced, recruiting has changed so much, and that with social media, it's become more year-round. So, right. the college coaches don't get as much of a break in the off-season as they might have years past. So that's the that's one big change now in the NFL. You. The season's definitely longer, right? And and the one thing Rip noticed was, in college, the players are going to class, so during the day you have the chance to do your game planning and all of that. Whereas in the NFL, the players are there all day, mm-hmm. so they're meeting with you and they're watching film, whatever, so that you have to do more your game planning at night. And of course, the season's longer; you have sixteen games instead of twelve, so. Right. The days are longer and the season's longer. But on the other hand, when the season ends in college and the coaches are out on the road recruiting December, January, into February, whereas in the NFL, you're playing games into January, and if you're not in the playoffs, you're done. (laughs) You know, you have a little bit of a normal job because you're not out recruiting. They have a separate department to do that. So, yeah, there are some differences, and, and and yet 
we love them both. You know, mm -hmm. they're both positive. They both have their positive points. We're going to touch back on the career, but I want to jump right into how did you meet and when did you meet Ripshire? Okay, we were at William and Mary. I was a senior and Rip was a sophomore, and it was in early October, and we met on a blind date. Really? Had, yes, I had been. I had a, a boyfriend from high school that I dated through college. We'd broken up, so I started my senior year. I said, "I'm going to graduate, get a job. I don't want a boyfriend." And then I met Rip, and he was a very immature 19-year-old. <laughs> you know, I'm 21. Not that I was that mature, so but you know, it was just something about him. So. We started dating and we waited till he graduated till we got married, but I ended up graduating, going off, getting a job and moved back to Williamsburg and we waited till he graduated and I didn't know much about football when we met. I mean, he grew up with it because his dad was a high school coach and so I, of course, learned about it and once we first got married and he became a graduate assistant at Penn State and that started our life as where you're moving around a lot and and just engrossed in the football and but it's been wonderful. I know a lot of people say it's stressful. You don't see your husband too much. But yet I would say there aren't many professions where your family can be involved in it. That's true. And as as much of it when our kids were little you almost felt like a single parent. But you also, you could take your kids to practice. You could, they got to know the players and the players became part of your family. And, and, and also with all the moving, you always were part of the staff when you moved. So I always think of other people, your husband takes a job in a new city and you move and you don't know anyone. Whereas in coaching, you move, you meet the rest of the other coaches and their families and you're all become one big family. So that always helps the transition. You've always had a, such a positive outlook and you just embraced the culture of football. I want to name off some of the schools, actually all of them. I think it's so impressive. So GA, Penn State, NC State, yeah. Hawaii. Okay, so we're all jealous right now. Oh, at this yes, point. yes uh, that was his first full-time job. It was a fun fun time at that point in our life with no kids that was fun so, yeah. absolutely no kids in hawaii that sounds like a dream uh virginia yeah. georgia tech oc at alabama arizona james madison head coach turned around the program very successful memphis kansas southern miss then you went to the nfl cleveland browns assistant head coach carolina panthers assistant head coach back in college for colorado ucla and then now with the Chargers. I mean, I'm right. going to ask you this. You are probably the most humble person I know. And I'll tell you where, I'll tell everyone where I've met you at the stop at University of Memphis. Uh, Joshua, my husband, right. played for Rip Shear. Yeah, before you were even married. That's, That's right. right. You were a college student. <laughs> I know. It feels like a long time ago. Um, it does, yes. Now, you're one of the most humble people I've ever met. But I've always wanted to ask this question. And I, I just want you to be honest with me and you're probably going to have to brag okay. on him and that's not in your nature, but I have to know. Okay. So he, he's had such a, a unique and incredible career. Why do you think coach Shear has been able to stay at the top his entire career? He, he's at FBS. He's at power five. He's in the NFL. Yeah. What's it about him? Oh gosh. I think a lot of it is just great. I mean, now, the last part of his career, he felt like he had gone downhill. And I said, 
I mean, there have been times when, you know, you're on the staff and the head coach gets fired and you all get fired and you don't feel like you're contributing as much. But I tell them, I said, you have to look at your whole career. You, ha you can't look at just the downtimes. You have to look at your whole career and say, you've had a great career. So, and he actually, because when he was at UCLA the first three years, he wasn't coaching. He was in administration. He said, all of a sudden, I'm 60 years old and I can't get a coaching job. So when he was associate AD over football, he said, for the first time in my career, I feel like I had a job. Because in coaching, I never felt like it was a job. Like, he mm -hmm. just loved it. And so he was able to get back into coaching. And so, of course, then another, you know, the head coach gets fired again. He thought he was retiring. And then this opportunity came up at the Chargers. And, and it was, and I was so happy for him. It's like, he's worked so hard and he has had a successful career. And maybe the last six, ten years haven't been what he hoped. But he said, I can go out on my own terms. So mm. a lot of how you achieve in coaching is so much knowing the right people and having the break and and also he has a good reputation Absolutely. and yet that's that's not always enough and and more so nowadays it's it's not always enough it's it's a lot of it who you know and um and he's just very fortunate i mean the coach who hired him at the chargers they worked together at the browns hmm. and became very close and anthony lynn's his name and he's told Rip if I ever get a head job because he'd worked with Rip and he respected Rip and so and the same thing when Rip first went to the Browns Romeo Cornell was the head coach he and Rip coached together at Georgia Tech in 1980 for one year wow and they kept in touch over the years and Romeo said when I get a head job I'm gonna hire you and wow. so maybe you know Rip maybe impacted someone at that time where he doesn't give himself enough credit that exactly why would he hire me so yeah, so it's um, so a lot of it's his worth ethic, and I think a big part of it nowadays. A lot of when Rip got into coaching, they weren't making much money. Mm -hmm. They just did it because they love coaching. They love mentoring the kids, and and he still feels like that. Whereas there's a lot of coaches nowadays who aren't in it for the players; they're in it more for the ego, the money, and that's. Mm -hmm kind of disappointing but Rip still like he says I'm still old school but he still has you know he might be at a low point in his career and all of a sudden out of the blue some former player who's now 40 years old will write him and say I just want to thank you because you impacted me and you made me the man I am today mm. and Rip will say that's why I do this exactly. and that's really and that's why he's still doing it. he said I'm still the relationship that I have with these young men that I have an impact on their life is what is more important than him to him than winning games. Absolutely. I think one of those letters yeah. came out of Clarksville, Tennessee. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, there's something that we were on the same staff together. Coach Shira hired uh, Joshua, my husband, uh, as a GA at Southern Miss. And there's a story that yes. stuck with me. I don't remember all of it. And I just want you to fill in. So all of these, um, okay. if you can remember it with me. Okay. So you uh, okay. moved a lot. And I remember yes. you saying that you either pregnant or just had a baby or do you remember, do you remember that story? Something about unpacking when you just had a baby? Oh gosh. Yes. We were actually, we were at the university of Arizona. We had been renting and moved into a house when um, it was in May. So yeah, it was during spring recruiting, but yes, Brian was five days old and we were moving into a house. Five so days old. It, 
yes. And so, you're packing yes, up nice. and you're lifting things you're probably not supposed to lift. Well, actually, I, I did not lift things. I was just kind of coordinating. I had a lot of people asking me, where do you want this? Where do you want that? But it was still, yeah, it was still, I did all the, actually, though, I packed for three months while I was pregnant, wow. leading up until the move. But, but yeah, so. Um, I wonder how many wives out there are, you know, <laughs> doing the same thing or about to do oh, that. Oh, of course. I think we moved all, each time I was pregnant. Um, so oh, God, I, yeah. I, it wasn't close to the end like that, where it's five that just had a baby and then five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. What's equally astounding with the longevity, um, that coach Shear has had is with you and your career. Um, tell us about what you've spent most of your life doing. I've been in it. I was traditionally for years, what they, you know, a traditional, just basic con computer programmer. And I did that. The first 10, 15 years of our marriage, and every time we'd move, I'd have to find a new job, mm -hmm. start all over. But, but one fortunate thing in the coaching profession, you, you usually have contacts, and a lot of my jobs came through the coaches. I mean, someone had a connection, and at least I could get an interview, and then I could prove myself, but it did help just to get your foot in the door. Right. And. So, and then as time went on, there was a period for about 10 years where I did not work in IT. And, and that's because I had, all of a sudden I had, I mean, when our older two were small, I was able to work part-time. But then when I had my last one, I did, fortunately I didn't have to work. And then eventually mm -hmm. I got back into it, but I've been so fortunate. I've been working for the University of Memphis almost 20 years wow. in IT. And we've moved six times. Because I, I'm able to work remotely. I work from home and just go back every other month. And, and they feel like I'm, you know, I'm responsible enough and work hard enough that I've been able to keep that job. And I know that's an issue with a lot of coaches' wives that I have to, I have to change jobs. I have to find a new job. And, mm -hmm. for, and I have not had to do that. And it's, it's, been, a, it's been a real blessing because here... I'm still, you know, I'm still working for them. That's <laughs> so incredible. It's, um, well, yeah, because that, that doesn't work out for everybody. Well, that speaks to you, though. I mean, your work ethic, they, they just, that's incredible. Um, you've also been a part of the American Football Coaches Wives Association. When did you become involved? And you know, have you seen that organization oh. grow? Oh, gosh, that was the best experience. And when I joined, Rick was still a college coach, and he encouraged me to join. He said, you've been you know, you've been a coach's wife for so many years, you know, you should apply. And so I did. And at the time, I, I'm trying to think what year it was, but um, Rip was still in college, but then a year after he went to the NFL, but it's to be on the board is a five-year commitment. And the camaraderie of being on the board, because I'd been for probably 10 or 15 years before that, going to conventions, went to some of the wives things they have, and it's great. They have it's a great support group and they would have sessions where they talk about different things that are appropriate, you know, helping like, how's it just, what's it like to move? What's it like to deal with crowds at a football game when they're negative and just so many different things. And you meet other wives who are no one else understands and you meet other wives who are, you're all in the same boat. So when I joined the board, I got more involved because you were, you had to be there and, and mm -hmm. I made great friends. So, and it's a five-year commitment. Wow. So the, after the first year, Rip went to the NFL, and then he wasn't going to the convention. 
Hmm. So I had to go on my own and I would, so, you know, pay my way, get there, pay for <laughs> right. a hotel and ever, but it was still wonderful. And I loved going and I, and I got to know the other board members and from that got to know other wives. So it was a great experience. And I still, when I go to the convention, still go back to all the wives activities. And, and, and when we've been on other staff, because for many years, coaches didn't even know there's a wives association. Right. And whenever I'm on a new staff, I always tell the wives, I'll give them the information. I said, we have a wives group. You tell your husband, because all of the husbands go, and it's the time for them to see their coaching friends from all over. I said, you tell them you're not cramping their style. You can go, and you're going to be with the other wives. So, and, and other, so when they do go, the husbands realize, because Rip for years went without me, and once we went together, he was glad I was there. And a mm. lot of coaches felt that way because they, and you're all, you know, you still, they can still go do the things with the guys, go to their talks and their seminars, but in the evening you can be together. And, you know, over years, you know, people from all over and, it, and it's a once a year chance to be with friends that you've made at different places you've coached. And I look forward to it every year. You kind we of truly are just a big family. We really are. It's amazing. When yeah. you, I think we met yeah. up at the last or maybe a couple of years ago, and it was just so neat for you to, you know, just to connect again. You know, you oh, just we, talked about right, it. Right. And you came to Nashville. Yes. Yes. And how many years has it been? And it seemed like yesterday. I know. Definitely. <laughs> um, you know, on this show, you just talked about it, but some of the hardships that we face. Um, this profession is so rewarding, but there are times when it is brutal, you know, moving or negative comments in the media or being fired. You know, if you haven't been fired yet, you hadn't coached long enough yet. But um, exactly. if there's some advice you could give a younger wife on some of these topics, what would that be? You're basically a single parent most of the time. And that can be really difficult. So I give advice. You have to be independent and find, and I've been fortunate. I've, when my kids, older two or little, I was in a neighborhood where I had, there were other fam women whose husbands had jobs where they weren't around. So we all kind of had our own little community. So you, you have to, it's, it's tough because you want your kids. There were times I remember when Scott was little and he was in preschool learning, like, where does your dad live? And he was learning his address. He said, at the football office. <laughs> and, and, and it crushed Rip because of that because he wasn't around much and the kids are more resilient, but it's hard as a young wife to have little kids and it's all on you. So the biggest advice is just try to find support with other people like neighbors or whoever, because it's hard for your husband because they're not always going to have the time. And, mm -hmm. and, and there've been places we've lived where we were close enough to campus that I could bring the kids to practice. And even if you, they saw their dad for five minutes after practice, it meant a lot to everyone. It really but there's been times when you were too far that you couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's more in the off season that they get to see their dad more, but during the season, yeah, I think back over the years because we've been in every situation where you live close to campus or far, and it's it's and now the pressures today are much more than they were. I mean, Rip's been in it now 45 years. You know, the early years, I think the pressures to win are greater, and the time involved is greater. So I'm I've gotten used to it, but for young wives starting out, it's 
it's difficult. I know it is. It's not, it's not easy. And, and I've met wives, if you don't like football, it's going to be very difficult. You're exactly right. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to yes. learn to love it. You really do. If you, if exactly. you actually just exactly. study it, take a class online sure. or something, right? <laughs> right. And I do. And I, you know, try to think of the positive of it. But there have been times as a coach's wife when the fans are negative. Mm-hmm. I've had situations where I've been in tears. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember the most, I know when Rip was at Georgia Tech in the 80s and he was the offense coordinator and I'd be sitting in front of someone and they would be talking negatively and I would just move. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there was a situation and you might remember we were in University of Memphis and this was when Josh was probably, he was still on the team mm-hmm. and it was a terrible situation and I was in tears and it was Josh's uncle after the game, I think he's a high school coach, he was in Houston yes. and he came in. I was sitting in the stands and I couldn't even get up and leave. I was by myself. And he came and walked me out to the buses. Really? And I'll never forget that. That was the, it was just a real sad situation. But it, so I learned after that, just, well, first of all, never say anything because, Mm -hmm. and not even, and all I did was turn around to some of the fans who were negative and yelling. I just said, support your team. Mm -hmm. And after that, it just got really bad. And that's why I learned never say anything Mm -hmm. as much as you want to and just try to tune it out. So I've learned if you hear all the negative comments, tune it out. Now it's hard when you have little kids because people are cruel and, and then you, they, sometimes they go to school and hear negative and they bring it home, you know, so, and, and it's, you just have to explain to them that, you know, people don't understand. They think they know, and you just have to ignore them. They think they know, and your dad's still a good coach. Your dad's not going to get fired. But, mm-hmm. And if he, you know, he said, "Don't you can't listen to people that we're still doing fine." And but it, yeah, that part of it is difficult. Do you think that coaches' children learn lesson, lessons at a much younger age, perhaps through all? Of oh, that? I do, I, and I think it makes them grow stronger. I think I know our kids at the time. There were times when they didn't like the idea of moving, but then in looking back, they are so glad for the experiences they had and how much they grew. I remember when we were at University of Alabama and Melanie was five, and Brooke was the offensive coordinator, and she, the TV would come on. And she'd say, "Are they going to say bad things about Daddy again?" Oh, <laughs> and, no. she, so, and so, and so she said, "I don't want." She'd run out of the room because like, she didn't want to hear. But they adapt, and they do. It is. It does it does make them stronger and they learn, they do learn a lot about it. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not sheltered. And um, yeah, so it's, and they've moved a lot. They fortunately, they've all been able to at least go through three years of the same high school. Cause I know other families, you know, all of a sudden if they're going into their senior year and you have to move and, and that's tough, but, but kids are very resilient. As long as they know they have a loving family, they're resilient. You just remember him as a player uh, talking about getting to come to your house to eat. And you had the players and then later as a GA and us as a wife at Southern Miss, I remember you sending me home with leftovers and things like that. Why have you always made it a goal to just embrace those around you? Well, I think it goes back when Rip and I, his first coaching job, when he was a graduate assistant, we were not embraced with the Full-time coaches, you, and at that time it was different. There was no limit on 
graduate assistants, because now, you know, you can have like two. But back then it was unlimited. So you have larger group, but for whatever reason, that situation, you were completely se separate. You were never welcomed. And it, it made, it hurt your feelings because mm. you were new. And so when we experienced that after that, I thought, I, I never want anyone to feel like I felt. So whenever we've been anywhere, we have gone out of our way to embrace the graduate assistants and the people, the new people, because we knew what it was like to be on the other end. So we've always tried to welcome everyone. And I love having people over. The players, y'all, like when y'all came to, at Southern, I just love, I don't know, it's the mother in me. I'm everybody's mom. <laughs> I still make brownies for even Rips players in the NFL. I still make brownies. Do you really? I do, <laughs> and they still like it. And you know, and they're and they're you know they're they're not just college kids. So I love and, it. And That's I still incredible. Have, it's so funny because for um we've gone back. I've had former players from Memphis come to me. We'll we'll see them somewhere at a convention. They'll say, "Oh, Mrs. Shear, we still remember when you made brownies for us." It's like it. that means a lot. Yes, it does. So you're still those players. It means a lot for them to it, to have them in their home, in your home, give them a home cooked meal. Just the fact that they know you care mm. about them, and not just because they're on the team, that you really care about them. That impact is but, probably one of the major reasons that for this tremendous career that you and Coach Shear have had. Thank you so much for visiting with oh, us. Well, it's been a blessing to me. It's been encouraging some tips and tricks and just some little nuggets of wisdom. I appreciate it so much. Well, I've enjoyed it. And I, and you know, I, I feel so blessed that we've been able to have the career that Rip and I, that he's had and that I've been a part of it. And I just wish, I hope all like you and Josh and everyone else just, in the middle of their careers and starting out in their careers will have the success and the happiness and find all the positives when there's so many negatives. Thank you so much. That's great advice. Make sure to subscribe to Coach's Wife Live podcast and for a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.